We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We have a very fun show planned for you guys today. Uh, joining me, Steven, is Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing just fine. Happy to see my grandparents today. They're doing very well. And um, the Chargers didn't lose this week, so whatever. <laughs> the Chargers are 1-0 this week Yay. because they didn't play. Um, Alex, how are you doing, man? Congrats to your Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Uh, weirdly is the year of Tampa Bay sports. <laughs> you know, hopefully the Buccaneers do not continue that trend. Uh, um, but how are you doing, yeah, man? Yeah, no, doing pretty good. Um, just to kind of start the show with the fuck the Astros because, you know, <laughs> it, it just had to be done. But, uh, yeah, I feel yes. pretty good about being in the World Series. And I guess we'll find out in the duration of this podcast who the opponent is. So, uh, just to wait till Tuesday now. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we are recording this. Uh, I think it's the seventh inning, I want to say, right now, of the Dodgers and uh, Brave series. I have watched approximately 40 minutes, maybe, of baseball. <laughs> um, not, a, not a big baseball guy, but, you know, I hate the Astros because they cheated mm-hmm. and then they were assholes about the way that they cheated. So, uh, really happy that they lost to Alex's Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. I don't watch baseball either, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is a football podcast. Exactly. So let's stick to football. Um, you know, before we get started in the Chargers topics that we have planned today, uh, I do want to give a shout out to Jason Verrett. You know, it's it's been a long road for him to get healthy. And, you know, weirdly, it took the rest of the 49ers team to get injured for him to get healthy. But uh, he is balling out tonight against the Rams, finding looks like himself. He looks like that all pro version of Verrett that we saw in back in 2015. Uh, just really happy for him. It's definitely been a long road and uh, couldn't be happier for a player to finally get healthy and, you know, be in a situation where he can succeed. I love Verrett, man. I was, I was able to, to at most high five him at the um, bolt to the queue, whatever it was called, like a 5k that they had at Qualcomm every year. And, um, you know, great guy, great team guy, but amazing player, you know, going through a stretch where I believe in the same season he was, covering Megatron and Antonio Brown and prime Alshon Jeffrey, you know, and shutting these guys down. 
you know, some of the best corner play, you know, we have Casey Hayward. Sorry, not we. The Chargers have Casey Hayward now, but Verrett might have been the best corner I've ever seen in my lifetime if he had continued to play for the Chargers. He just didn't work out, unfortunately, but I'm happy to see him doing well tonight. Yeah, I remember watching Verrett all the way back in, you know, 2011, those TCU days uh, with Andy Dalton and Gary Patterson, so... That was a fun team to watch, and I was really excited when the Chargers drafted him, and obviously, unfortunately, devastated every year when it was a ACL or a meniscus or something. But uh, it's been great to see the success he's been able to have in San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. We will continue to root for his health for sure, and you know, couldn't happen to a better person as well. So obviously, the Chargers were on their bye week. You know, there has not been much news. Uh, we have been told that. You know, there will not be any new news until Wednesday. Um, the Chargers essentially have taken the, the whole entire week off to rest and recover, which they need desperately. They have to get all these guys healthy. But, you know, we're going to have a couple conversations today. Um, you know, how the one and four season has impacted how we view the season, you know, and, you know, talk about the Chargers playoff chances as well as Justin Herbert's rookie of the year chances. So it's going to be a couple fun discussions. And we'll kind of just see where they're going. Um, you know, right now the Chargers sitting at one and four. Unfortunately, they are last in the division, but you know, I don't put too much stock in that right now just because they are so young. Um, so I, I guess we'll just open this up. Alex, do you think that this team can bounce back and maybe make a playoff push? Or are you expecting that? Where do you land in terms of you know the goals of this season for the Chargers right now? Yeah, I think the goal is really just to bounce back and play as well as you can you know, with Herbert. Um, really, the goal of the season is to let Herbert cook in a way. I mean, it's just uh, all about his development more than anything else. Uh, so as long as you come out of the season with him looking good, uh, I don't know if it's really a necessity to make the playoffs or make the wild card, right? Uh, to an extent, I guess, you know, would I rather be uh, six and ten, seven and nine, and find out that Herbert's the guy versus you know the Chargers trudge into the playoffs at nine and seven or ten and six, but we're not really sure about Herbert. I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. You know, uh, you know, would you rather prefer just wild card performance where you're kind of not sure about the direction going forward, or you figure out you have the guy? So. I think that's really the only expectation going into the season. And, you know, the other thing is they've been competitive against some of the best teams in the NFL without, like, a lot of their players. I mean, we talk about Chris Harris and uh, the litany of players, Austin Eckler, Derwin James, the litany of injuries that the Chargers have. Um, And to be able to be competitive with the Saints, with the Bucks, with the Chiefs, even though they didn't win those games... Is still kind of remarkable in my opinion and deserves some praise. I mean, we saw uh, what the Bucks did today to the uh, Packers. You know, yeah. so that's that's a talented team, and they came within a touchdown of beating them. So, you know, obviously, I want to see them really get back into playoff contention and get back to 500. That's that's really what I want to see first, and I think they'll have an opportunity to do that with Jacksonville and the Broncos and the Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, but first and foremost this season, to me, it's all about Herbert development, and that's going good right now, so I'm currently happy right now. You know, I put it in the chat today, um, but <laughs> I kind of said that this 1-4 is a pretty hype 1-4. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not the worst position to be yeah. in. Like, you know, I I'm, I'm also mentioned that I'm uh, an Eagles fan, and would I rather have the Chargers 1-4 and four or the Eagles 1-4-1? One, and to me, in terms of the future of the franchise and, and just the momentum that they have this season and how you know good each team looks, I'd much rather be a Chargers fan sitting at one and four than some of these two and three, one and four teams that you know kind of are rudderless or have no direction. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd very much rather be rooting for this one and four Chargers team than the Eagles. I really feel bad for you guys. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> It's it's kind of brutal. I can't believe you guys came back and actually had a game against the Ravens just to make it that you know, much more of a salty, sad kind of loss. Uh, as far as the season goes, technically, I expected that Tyrod Taylor would start the whole year. 
And I just viewed the whole season as, well, the team will just be healthy. And that's how I view the record. I'm not going to, you know, start knocking out injuries and then figure out who's winning, you know, in week 15. You know, I just, I just assume, you know, everyone's healthy and that's how you pick the record. And I picked a 10 and six record. One and four is not a good start. Um, I would have been happy with two and three, honestly, particularly with all the injuries. Um, but this, this is the stretch we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for the stretch where they just get to beat up terrible teams. Not, I mean, okay. The Raiders are better than we thought. The the Broncos True. are, I don't know. They just beat the Patriots. Um, so I don't know what to expect from them considering all their injuries, yet they still beat the Patriots. So I don't know. I you know. Is that Patriots team going to be any good by the time the Chargers get there? You know, what, what are the Falcons? You know, are they going to, are they a tough team or are they just a team that just beats up the Vikings? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> either way, I want the team to do as best they can. And I'm not going to be upset if they go eight and eight and they miss the playoffs and they get a mid round pick or whatever, or not mid round, mid first round pick or whatever it is. Um, who cares? If, if you get the pick 18th, you might get Derwin James. You know, if you only get the third best quarterback in the draft, oops, you might get Justin Herbert, you know, so pick the guys that are, you know, pick good players. And if you have to move up, move back, whatever, fine. I can't go with another season of five and 11. I don't think that's the case. I don't even think even with just their next five games that they'll go worse than, you know, they'll end up worse than five and 11. They could really win their next five. Um, so we'll see. Like you said, now everything has changed and it is all about the development of Justin Herbert. It kind of was already about that, but now it's really about that because he's playing, you know, so it's all about, you know, can he be healthy? Can he have some momentum going into next season? Um, I definitely want to have some, you know, players evaluated. You start the season with, you know, good Dan Feeney performances. Currently not so great. Forrest Lamp, he's healthy now and he's the best lineman on the team. A, can he keep that up? You know, B, is he going to, you know, continue to improve or regress? Who knows? Um, you know, Ingram when he comes back and most of so a lot of player evaluation, getting Justin Herbert ready and just do the best you can. And wherever you pick in the draft is wherever you pick in the draft. I really don't have a preference. Well, OK, number one is the preference, I guess. But, you know, don't, <laughs> I don't want that season. I don't want to watch, you know, the Jets who get blanked by the Dolphins. You know, I don't want I don't oh. want that. Like, geez, I'd rather pick, you know, 32nd, but still have but go five and 11 than be what the Jets are doing. So um, that's it. Develop players, develop Herbert for sure, evaluate your talent, and uh, have fun. Cut it loose. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this question was kind of, you know, brought up to me, or, or this topic was kind of brought up because I've seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, we should tank for Panay Sewell. Listen, Panay Sewell's the best left tackle I've seen in college in years. You know, granted, you know, I'm 26. I haven't been paying attention for that long. Um, <laughs> but Panay Sewell is a fantastic, fantastic ta- offensive tackle. He's probably a generational player. But I loathe, loathe the idea of tanking. Like, if you're asking me, do I want to be the Jets right now so I can get Trevor Lawrence? Or do I want to be the Chargers who maybe have a chance to to turn the season around and, and maybe push for the playoffs? Like, I'm sorry. If I were a Jets fan, I, I would – I don't drink alcohol. If I were a Jets fan, I would drink alcohol. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is miserable. The idea of tanking to me it is just awful. I, I don't want any part of it. Now – if the Chargers go six and ten this year, I'm probably okay with it because at the end of the day, like you guys have mentioned, this season is all about it's shifted, right? As soon as Tyrod Taylor punctured his lung, it's shifted from winning to developing talent and specifically developing Justin Herbert. I, I would love to see them make the playoffs. I would love to have Justin Herbert get that experience. It's so valuable. But at the end of the day, you know, he's already exceeded any expectations I had for his rookie season. Uh, you know, they're getting key contributions from other players. Obviously, I wanted to see them get healthy. So I, I think as football fans, we have to adjust our expectations for this team. And that's what you have to do in in, in life, right? You've got to figure out a way to shift your expectations from what's ha- what was your goal to what is happening. And yeah, the, the goal for the Chargers probably was make the playoffs if everyone was healthy, like Tyler said. But, you know, right now it's all about player development. And, and, you know, what was the the phrase that Alex used? Anything else is gravy. Um, if the Chargers win some games going forward, man, then it's awesome. Like, fantastic. But I just don't think that's the main goal right now, as unfortunate as it is for Chargers fans to hear that message. We also talk about, like, impact from COVID, right? And 
you know, I remember doing my 16-game record prediction that I do every year where I just go game by game and I go win-loss, win-loss, and that got ruined this year because all the games got shifted around and five of the Chargers, you know, right. weeks, you know, their opponents and weeks changed. So, you know, it's kind of like hard to stick to your prediction or like your expectations for the team when something like that happens. Now, as far as tanking, uh, I want to say that I am not as averse to it as Steven is. Uh, and uh, he can tell you. <laughs> it's because as... you're a Phillies fan. <laughs> as, as the com- Sixers. Sixers. Sixers, excuse me. Uh, Whatever. As the commissioner of our fantasy league, Steven can tell you that I'm not that averse to tanking. <laughs> but I uh, I don't view, I don't view the Chargers as really a tanking situation. Like I mean, you know, they're not like a great team, and they're not really a bad team, right? So I don't view them as like the, right. the Jets or like you know a couple of years ago some of those Browns Raiders teams, uh, you know that would th- you know throw out there and <laughs> Stephen. Posed the question on Twitter today about, you know, would Clemson beat the Jets and all that stuff? <laughs> um, you know, Clemson would not beat the Chargers. So uh, I, I don't think the tanking thing is really a thing. If they end up with the number five pick and they end up with a chance to get Panesa, well, great. If they end up with the number 10 pick or, you know, 15 pick, whatever it is, and they have a chance to get another player, also great. I mean, I don't really care where they pick because I think Tom Telesco has proven in the last couple drafts that. He's a good evaluator of talent. I mean, he's found Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Kenneth Murray. I mean, picks that everyone's pretty much liked so far. So uh, I, I don't really have too many complaints about, you know, what the Chargers are going to do uh, in the draft. But, yeah, I, I don't view them as a tanking team. Uh, now, things could get murky if they start, you know, losing to the Jets or losing to the Dolphins and stuff like that. But... I don't really expect that to happen as of now. Yeah, I, I don't expect that to happen either. And, you know, you mentioned just the expectations. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that the expectation is to lose. You know, they have been so competitive in these games, and I do expect them to string together some wins. Um, so let's talk about this schedule, right? You know, Joey, Mes- Joey Bosa mentioned in his press conference on Wednesday that the expectation is to get back to 500. Um, you know, they have some very winnable games coming up. Obviously they play the Jaguars this, this week, which we'll dive into, um, on Wednesday when we record, um, I do not expect them to lose that game. If they lose that game, then, then sure. All you guys can start yelling at me. Um, then they play the Broncos, the Raiders. Those will be two tough games. You know, I never feel good about playing at Denver. I never ever will as a Chargers fan ever feel good about that game. Um, then they host the Raiders. Then they travel to Miami and then host the Jets travel to Buffalo and then they host the Patriots in the, in their next few games. Um, so I could see them going on a run, you know, I could see them, you know, beating Jacksonville and, and then beating Denver, possibly beating the Raiders. But, um, you know, I guess kind of how, how likely do you guys think a playoff run is at this point? Or do you think, you know, seven, nine is more likely eight and eight is more likely, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this upcoming schedule? Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. I say they go, okay, it depends on who comes back after this bye and how healthy they are. I don't, we don't really know yet, you know, how severe is Justin Jones in, not that he's the reason they're going to go playoffs, you know, how severe is his injury? Is Eckler more of a four week or six week kind of guy? You know, is Harris, a, you know, when is he coming back? Is Bosa going to get right? How's Ingram actually? How's Turner and Balaga? We have no idea. You know, that's a, that's a big yeah. fat mystery right now. So those are the two that I think right. are most important, honestly, in, in terms of a Chargers playoff push, Brian Blog and Trey Turner mm-hmm. have to be healthy. Absolutely. Um, they don't need to really get healthy for the Jaguars game. But, you know, come Broncos, you know, the Raiders actually have a decent, you know, decent pass rush, decent defensive line group. Eh. Um, what's more likely? Uh, I'll say... Mm, okay, my pick was ten and six before. That's that's too that's a little too much. I do think they'll at least lose to the Raiders once. Unfortunately, even though I could totally see them beating them, I feel like that's the the, the division rival they'll split with more than the Broncos at this point. But I still don't know what to expect from the Broncos. Um, but I'll say they'll, I'll say they'll go five and zero oh to start, and that which is nuts. 
But I, I'm just assuming everyone's coming back healthy, and I don't know about that for sure. The Bills game, they'll split between the Bills and the Patriots. I don't know how good Newton's... I didn't watch the games today. The last time I saw Newton, he was not very good against the Raiders. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's not like the Patriots were scoring like crazy today, so I don't know how well how good of a passer he is. Um, clearly, the rushing you know, rushing the football is no problem for him. But, you know, The Chargers actually kind of... Not that it's the same thing, but they did well against Taysom Hill. Uh, for the most part, um, I'll say nine and seven, and they do still get the playoffs just because of the extra spot. I'll say eight and eight. Um, I'd probably lean towards them not making the playoffs as of now because they don't really get a chance to play some of these other teams and to like knock them out of contention. Um, so right now, if you look at the standings, I mean. You have the Colt. You have the Ravens at five and one in second place. You have the Browns at four and two in second place. You have the Colts at four and two in second place, and the Chargers don't really get a chance to play any of those teams, right? So I think it would be different if like they got to play those teams, and there's a chance to like maybe knock one of them out of playoff contention. But I mean, the the teams that they're really gonna have a chance, you know, to knock around are the AFC East, uh, obviously when they get to that portion of their schedule. Um, but I don't really know if we view anyone other than Buffalo and maybe New England as a as a true uh, playoff contender there. And I honestly would say it's kind of only Buffalo right now with Cam's you know throwing problems. Uh, he looked rough today. Uh, as someone who watched uh, some of the, I, I only saw some of the highlights after, but his throwing this season, as good as his running's been and as uh, good as some of New England's offense has been, he's looked rough. Um, so really their you know, threat in that division is, is someone like, you know, maybe if the Bills get dumped, bumped down to a wild card and take the Chargers out of contention there, but I don't see that happening, but yeah, I think the real problem is there's going to be, I think, some playoff teams out of the AFC North. You potentially have the Colts uh, out of the AFC South, and then you have the Chargers and how they do in the divisional games, which they went 0-6 last year, unfortunately. So I would lean towards 7-9 and or 8-8 eight and eight, uh, right now, and I'm going to say that they don't make uh, one of the playoff spots. I think they'll be Probably like the eighth or ninth team um, looking in, but I don't think they quite have the the resources to make it right now. Obviously, if they go on a run and they go six and zero in their next six, that's a very different situation, right? Um, I don't see right. that happening right now, though. I think they're going to lose one or two of these upcoming five or six games. So I'll say that they go seven and nine, eight and eight. And I'm going to say they don't make the wild card push. But um, I, I honestly don't think that's really a bad thing if they don't either. I mean, if, even if we're talking about seven and nine, we'd, we'd be talking about the fit, uh, the team finishing six and five with uh, Herbert. Right. So if Herbert's consistently winning uh, and consistently showing development. I think that's a good thing. I also think eight and eight wouldn't really be bad. Right. As long as you're seeing that. Uh, Herbert development, right? So that you know, an eight and eight record right now means that they finish the season seven and four, which I think, given all the injuries and given all the um, challenging circumstances of the season, both with schedule, injuries, punctured lungs, uh, and everything, uh, if they can finish seven and four this year, uh, I would take it. Yeah, I think I would take that as well. I think most people would take that after starting one and four. Um, in terms of their playoff chances, if I had to put like a percentage at it, I would probably say like maybe like 15, 20%. Um, you know, I, I think the AFC North is going to get two teams in for sure. You know, between the Steelers and the Ravens, I just, I don't see how either of those teams are not in. You know, I think the Titans will get in. Obviously the Chiefs will get in. Um, so really it's going to be, I, I don't know how much I buy Miami. They're three and three right now, but in terms of playoffs, I don't know how much I buy them. Um, so really it's going to be the, between the Patriots, the Browns, the Colts and the Raiders and chargers in terms of like the last playoff spot. Um, if the chargers want to make it to the playoffs, they absolutely have to beat the Raiders twice. And 
you know, I think splitting with the Raiders, you know, you don't get in in that in that scenario. So we'll see. I, I feel good about the upcoming games personally. Um, like I said, I think the game that concerns me most is the one in Denver. Um, I I think that they'll probably win the the Raiders at home. They'll beat the Jaguars at home. Dolphins. We'll see. You know, as much as I would love to see that be Tua and Herbert, we had this conversation on Twitter today. You know, with the way Ryan says Patrick is playing, I just don't think that's going to happen. So uh, that's a winnable game for the Chargers. Obviously, the Jets, they'll beat. So if they could go, you know, four and two in their next six, I think that's a win. Um, and I think that's probably what I would end up with. And then, you know, loss to the Bills, as much as I would love that that game to be a win. And, you know, a Tyrod Revenge game would have been fun to watch. But um, I just don't see how they'll win that game. And then Patriots, Falcons, probably split those two. And then, you know, the last three divisional games at Las Vegas, home against the Broncos, at the Chiefs. You know, I think they'll probably go one and three in those games. Or one and three, one and two. One, four, three, I guess. So, uh, like I said, you know, this is all about Justin Herbert right now. And, you know, I'm thrilled with his development. And I think eight and eight is probably the most likely scenario. Uh, for this Chargers team, but you know, th- it feels very similar to 2017. Like they were so close in all those games. You know, they have the young way coup mess that year. <laughs> um, who, you know, credit to him has, has turned it around, but, um, it feels very similar to 2017. And if they could just, you know, start winning some of these games, maybe go on a run. And, um, but ultimately, I do think they'll fall just short of the playoffs. All right. Well, I'll, I'll hold on to the optimism for everybody. <laughs> So I'm sorry. I'm nine and seven. Alex thinks eight and eight, seven and nine. Stephen, eight and eight. eight. Okay. All right. Eight and eight. All right. But given the one and four start, I think everybody would take eight and eight right now. And you know, I think this, like Alex said, is all about building positive habits for the future. And you know, if the Chargers finish eight and eight, that's that's a fantastic finish. Honestly, it really is. You know, maybe if we tank, maybe we can start playing Joe Reed in some of these games. <laughs> Oh man, that I mean that would be fun. I would love that. Every time I see Debo Samuel or Samuel or Brennan Ayuk on a jet sweep, I just want to vomit a little bit. <laughs> um, but let's let let's talk about this other scenario, right? Because you know maybe they don't figure out how to win these games. Maybe they lose to the Broncos. Maybe they lose to the Raiders. Um, but you know Justin Herbert right now is the betting favorite for Rookie of the Year, and, and you know statistically he is on pace to break a couple passing records. You know, namely passing yards and passing touchdowns, which would be fantastic. Um, I don't want to get into the specifics of those uh, numbers because I don't want people to go crazy about that. But, you know, he is on pace to break those those records. You know, we'll wait and see how that continues to to pan out. But if the Chargers do go 5-11, and 11, let's say like last year, but Justin Herbert wins Rookie of the Year and he, you know, he looks great in that 5-11 and 11 finish, do you guys feel like the season's a failure? Do you feel like it's a success? You know, where would you land on that kind of season where, you know, it kind of sucks that they're losing all these games, but hey, like we have Justin Herbert, he won rookie of the year. What's the what's the feeling like in that scenario? Um, I mean, I think the season, whether you view it as a success or not, I mean, obviously I think five and eleven would probably you know, be a failure, but you know, it's all about that variable about Justin Herbert and what the future direction for the franchise is, right? Um you know, I said this, I kind of gave the example of, say, Bill O'Brien, right? Like, I don't know if Bill O'Brien lasts as long as he did uh, if, you know, Deshaun Watson was a bust, you know, coming out of 2018, right? So even though, you know, there were some years of the Texans underperforming and uh, not doing so great, uh, Bill O'Brien, based on the fact that, you know, he took Deshaun Watson and uh, some of that, you know, he got more years uh, to be unfortunately to be the coach and gm uh but it's it's all about the future direction of the team i mean it wasn't that long ago that you know john harbaugh like himself uh sat on the hot seat for the ravens for a little bit uh until lamar jackson came so uh, i mean in terms of anthony lynn and the chargers future i i just wouldn't view it really as like a failure because you know to me, five and eleven last year, when you know you had a veteran quarterback, um, and there were certainly, I think, higher expectations going into last year 
uh, than this year, right? Uh, I, I think five and eleven last year would be it was much worse than five and eleven would be this year. Yeah, if they went five and eleven this year, even if Justin Herbert won offensive or rookie of the year, whatever. Uh, I still think that's a failure. I think if you look at last year, you could argue that the issue, the big issue for the Chargers was the quarterback position. And if you have your quarterback coming in, breaking the rookie touchdown record and passing record, I guess it's not a failure. But if you fix your quarterback issue and you're still going 5-11, and 11, then you something, – something, You didn't really fix anything. You, right, you, you, you fixed a problem, but something else fell through. Now – Granted, there's a lot more going into this season than before, for sure. You know, Justin right. Herbert could end up on the COVID list for three weeks, you know, in, in once as soon as he travels to Miami. You know, so I don't know. You know, all these injuries are ridiculous. So it's hard to say it would be, a, I guess, a failure if it was 5-11. and 11. But if, you're, if you still have a terrible record, even though you fixed maybe your most, you know, important or biggest problem last year, and you're still, you're still, a, bad, you're still a bad team, and then you're going to go ahead and give Lynn and maybe the entire coaching staff a pass just because of all the injuries in the situation, which means we, you know, you have a, you have a six and 10, five and 11 team again going into next season. You know, and maybe we're going to watch it all over again because it really actually had nothing to do with injuries. I don't think that's the case, but so yeah, it would, it would, I would, it wouldn't feel good. Like five and 11 with the talent on this team that is clearly in, you know, able to keep up with some really good teams despite all their issues and, you know, quote Twitter people in spite of their coaching staff, you know, <laughs> eh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be thrilled. Like they should do better than five and 11. Cause that means right. they lost, you know, twice to the, the Raiders and probably twice to the Broncos. And they, you know, dropped a game against like the Jaguars or something. Nah, that's, that's, that's just a failure. You know, some of these teams are very beatable and I'm not saying, you know, do a whole lot better than five and 11. If they went seven to nine, okay, that's less of a failure. Like that's actually, that would be solid. That's a step forward. And you've got your offensive, you know, your quarterback of the future. He looks great. You know, the, the jump between seven and nine and, you know, nine and seven, 10 and six, making the postseason next year, you know, that's not as much, but five and 11 again, you know, even with the, if you go five and 11 again, but you have a quarterback, that means you have so many other things to fix. And that means a whole lot of players were terrible, which means you need to throw out so many of these contracts or not throw out the contracts, but get rid of some of these players that are, you know, expiring contracts next season and start all over again. I don't know if we want to see all that turnover. You know, if you go five and 11, you might be tossing Dan Feeney for slap as Sam Tevy and starting over. I don't think that happens, you know, but do you look at a Melvin Ingram? Do you keep him around? Or you just say, you know, just screw it. We went five and 11 again. He came back, love him, move on. Like, I don't want to see that. So Hoping for seven and nine, five and eleven would be a failure to me. Not a failure, sorry, but a D. <laughs> there, which is failing in some places, just it depending is to on Asians. which state you're, you're in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is to Asians. Is that what you said? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I have to agree. I, you know, I, it right now the season feels so different than last year because of Justin Herbert. Right, like last year, it almost felt like they were in games almost in spite of Philip Rivers, as much as I love him and as much as it was so much fun watching that vintage performance today from him. Um, but it, it really did just feel like they were in games in spite of him. And then they would lose a game, lose those games last year because of him. Whereas this year, you know, Justin has had some, some rookie mistakes, but it feels like they are in the games because of him. And then they are losing because of everyone around him you know, the kicker or, or the running back or whatever the case may be the defense, but it, it does feel different, but another five and 11 season would be, would be tough right now. I'm very optimistic about the future after a five and 11 season. I don't know if I would feel the same level of optimism, um, you know, with how bad the team, the teams around the league are five and 11 probably gets you like the number seven or eight pick instead of six. So, you know, I don't know. I just think, you know, five and 11 season again would be tough. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously, it's it, with everything that's happening around the league with in terms of injuries and COVID and things like that. Unfortunately, it is at least somewhat possible. Um, that being said, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think that this team goes five and 11. I think that, you know, seven to nine, eight and eight is, is much more likely. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just don't know if, 
you know, we, we you guys talked about fixing their biggest problem, which was the quarterback, right? So, you know, if you substitute Justin Herbert for Philip Rivers, then, uh, you know, I guess that theoretically means that you should have a better year. But, you know, you still have some of the problems that they had last year, right? Which is uh, Derwin James is hurt for an extended amount of time. Uh, Michael Badgley is missing field goals and Austin Eckler is hurt and you know you go down the list of injuries or things that they didn't quite fix from last year Um, I don't know if it's really hard to believe that this team is somewhere in that uh, 5-11 and 7-9 range outside of Herbert I guess um, or, or maybe they win games because of Herbert. Um, but I, I just, I see this team, you know, still having some of the same detriments and things that cost them, uh, last year, but, uh, I guess in just in different ways, I guess this year, um, you know, so, uh, it would be a shame to see them waste good performances from Herbert, but, being that it's his first year, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to go. I obviously, it would depend on how they do it as well. If you start losing to the Jets and you start losing to the Dolphins and stuff like that, uh, then the discussion changes very quickly. But I think, in just broadly speaking, if they were to go six and ten, I don't know, seven and nine, five and eleven, kind of that range that we're talking about, I don't think it would be crazy to just kind of, you know, uh, keep some of the core nucleus intact, right? So we talk about Casey Hayward, Derwin James, uh, but obviously Bosa on, on the defense and Kenneth Murray. Um, and, you you know, you have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen uh, on offense. See if they bring back Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, right? So you kind of keep the core of the offense and defense together while uh, shifting, you know, some of the parts around and, figuring out what you're going to do in free agency and what you're going to do in the draft, maybe some trades, uh, you know, like we saw the Russell, uh, Russell Okung, Trey Turner trade last year. Um, so I don't know. I, I definitely would not like five and 11 or six and 10, but I think there's some ways that five and 11 or six and 10 would make sense uh, considering they <laughs> didn't necessarily fix all the problems from last year. Uh, and, you know, going forward, the future definitely is still bright. If, you know, now there's also the chance that Herbert, you know, regresses in these last 11 games, which I don't believe is going to happen. But if that did happen, that would obviously set the team back quite a bit. Um, so I don't know. I I definitely see um, the positives. I still see some of the negatives on this team from last year. I just don't know if you know, six and ten or five and eleven would call for like major changes on the roster to be made, considering uh, all the problems they're going through. Right, and you know, I don't think any of us are calling for those major changes just yet. There's still a you know a lot of football left to be played, and you know the the Chargers are so close. It feels like they are so close to figuring it out. And you know when Anthony Lynn says that he has to teach his team how to win. It's true. Like he does have to teach them how to win because they're so young at every single position. You know, with all these injuries, they're relying on so many rookie players or players on rookie contracts that are, are, you know, maybe playing out of position or learning a new position or, or, you know, what may have you, but they are so close to figuring it out. And, you know, in terms of Justin Herbert's chances for rookie of the year, like he's putting up the numbers that if he continues this pace, he's going to win it. You know, I, I would love for some of those numbers to be accompanied by wins. Um, but at the end of the day, I think this award is going to come down to him and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, he was so close to winning today, but my guy Julian Blackman picked him off, which was fantastic to see. Um, but I think ultimately this, this award will come down to Joe Burrow and Herbert. You know, Justin Jefferson is going to put up huge neighbor, huge numbers, excuse me. Uh, Chase Claypool looks like he has, you know, found himself in Pittsburgh as well. Um, but what do you guys make of the rookie of the year race, if you will? And, you know, what does Herbert have to do to, to win that award? I don't even think, well, not that he doesn't have to win games. I, I, I thought going into this season that if he started from week one, which I didn't think was going to happen, but if he started from week one, the same as Burrow, I still thought he would win offensive rookie of the year just because I think the talent around him is better. You know, it, at the end of the day, it does come down to voting. And I do think people might vote for an LA kid versus a kid from, you know, Cincinnati. And uh, not that he's from Cincinnati, but the team. 
Um, right. And at this point, I don't, you know, Burrow doesn't have his Monday Night Football moment just yet. And so Herbert is clearly in the lead, you know, A, with his play and B, with the prime time. And even though he hasn't won, the Bengals aren't going to win a ton of games. It's not like Herbert needs to win 10 games to be considered the favorite over, over Joe Burrow. You know, he just needs to put up good right. numbers, you know, look good. He's set the internet ablaze. Like, people, you know, Pat, Pat McAfee, um, I can't think of other names right now, but those, that guy is the internet, <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, people people love Herbert. People are excited about Herbert. And I think, you know, I almost think, not that Herbert is overrated, but I even think even if Herbert were overrated by analysts and fans, people are so excited about him, he might win it anyway, even if Burrow was better. Um, so what does he have to do? Just be consistent, you know, string some games together. You know, I don't think, I just don't think Burrow's going to win a whole lot of games in, in Cincinnati. So as long as they just kind of stay neck and neck, you know, even if Burrow does win another one more game, you know, Herbert's got it. You know, the people love him. You know, fans are excited about him. He's had his big moment already, even though he lost, which wasn't his fault. So I, I really think he's got it. I think he's got it the whole way. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, you're right. Down to these two. I really like Justin Jefferson. He's a great fantasy addition. If anyone's looking to trade for him for a running back, that'd be great. <laughs> um, not, not that I have him or anything. Um, so that's it. So yeah, it just comes down to those two, and I think I think Herbert pretty much wins it because the guy's going to put up almost MVP like numbers at, at his rate. Not going to happen, you know. But this guy technically at his rate could put up you know forty touchdowns and forty five hundred yards in his rookie season. Won't happen, I don't think. So, but either way, I think he gets it. Yeah, I don't know. I in general, I have issues with rookie of the year, and I also have issues with MVP with. Just how slanted these awards are towards quarterbacks in general. Like, I feel like Justin Jefferson could put up 2,000 yards and still not win this award. Um, so <laughs> that's that's just kind of the position it's in. So it has become a de facto Herbert Burrow race. And in that scenario, I definitely like Herbert better than uh, Joe Burrow, just because he has the better team. Uh, I feel, and, you know, he has he has kind of the easier schedule in this next stretch of five or six games. Um, so he definitely has a chance to, to go on a run, as we've said, and string together some wins. Uh, so, you know, I definitely think Justin Herbert would be, you know, if he continues to play how he's playing, definitely kind of a shoe-in for the award. Um, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I tweeted about this the other day why Clyde Edwards Alaire is the third a person right. in odds behind Herbert and Burrow. It's like, what has Clyde Edwards Alaire done really outside of week one? He is, yeah. Um, it, it's just kind of insane to me that he's that high. Um, but right now, uh, I would probably put Herbert one. I would honestly put Justin Jefferson two if I was voting on it, and I'd put Joe Burrow three. But unfortunately, it's not realistic for a wide receiver or running back to really win this award. Um, so yeah, I would definitely lean Herbert over Burrow. I agree. I think Justin Jefferson would be two on my ballot as well. You know, he's been granted the Vikings are losing, but Justin Jefferson has been putting up big time numbers and show it. So has uh, chase Claypool. So those two will make it interesting. I think, um, obviously Joe Burrow has now two games up on Justin Herbert because, uh, you know, Justin didn't start week one and, and Joe obviously didn't have a bye week this week. Um, but in terms of per game averages, Justin is better in every category. Um, he has more, he has almost 40 more passing yards per category, averages one more touchdown, about the same interceptions, two fewer sacks, which, you know, that's kind of a big deal, I guess. Um, Joe is completing about 65% of his passes and Justin is almost completing 70. Um, and Justin has the edge in touchdowns as well. So it's going to be an interesting debate, you know, down the road. And, you know, like you guys mentioned, you know, this basically is a quarterback, you know, driven award. And I think Justin, as long as he, uh, you know, keeps us up as like Tyler said, as long as he's consistent, maybe the Chargers string together some wins. I think this award is, is <laughs> it's so weird to say, but you know, he's got this award almost under wraps right now. Um, yeah, it, it, sorry, I was just gonna say, shout out to uh, all the Chargers fans who voted Justin Herbert this week over <laughs> Chase Claypool. I, I love your guys' enthusiasm, you're totally wrong, but I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> I don't think they're Dude. wrong. The guy threw for four touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Chase Claypool caught four touchdowns. <laughs> that's hard well, to that's, do. Well, thank Roethlisberger for that one. 
Okay. Herbert did it by himself. <laughs> I was surprised at how lopsided it was because Claypool didn't. I don't even think Claypool was finished second, did he? I think he was like four percent of the votes, and Herbert was like sixty. So we're showing uh, up, man. Yeah, the- we can't show up to games, but by golly, can can we vote? <laughs> yeah. You know, the Steelers will take over the the stadium, but we can take over the Pepsi Rookie of the Week award. Gosh, <laughs> I like I like your tweet. How it was like, I don't know how politically active we are, but we sure can't vote for Justin <laughs> Herbert. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, the Pepsi the Pepsi Rookie of the Week Week Five award or no Week Four award is the most uh, important election of our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and we expect all of you to vote for justin herbert next week against after he beats the jacksonville jaguars uh, <laughs> good stuff man you know i'm i've never been i said this to tyler in our film session i've never been happier to be wrong about someone uh you know justin like i said has exceeded all expectations so far and uh for me personally and you know, i'm just so excited to see where he you know takes this team uh tyler alex and i talked on our last episode you weren't here obviously um you know one of the things we want to see after the bye week is them giving some more responsibility to Justin and you know maybe include some in quick passing games some more RPOs you know really just kind of handing the offense over to him and you know that's something that they've seen kind of you know reluctant and, and want to you know establish the run and and rightfully so um what are some things that you want to see change after the bye week and then we can kind of get in maybe some defensive things that each of us wants to see but Specifically on offense, what do you want to see changed for this team coming out of the bye week? I do want to see, and maybe it'll be easier just when they get offensive players back, or offensive linemen back, excuse me. One of the things you pointed out in that breakdown was lack of communication by some of these guys. And granted, some of these, you know, Feeney's playing center now, Lamps at guard, you know, Groy's trying to be a right guard, you know, and, and there's a lot of communication issues. I never played offensive line. I couldn't tell you what specifically all that means, but you're talking about you know, if you're passing it off to this guy, I forget what I forget what you said. But anyway, point is better communication because it looks like, you know, two guys are going this way and someone's forgetting the responsibility over here. And so I'd love to have better communication there. Hopefully that just improves because Turner comes back. You know, you even pointed out at one point that Lamp was just kind of standing there and he should be looking for work. Yeah, I don't think that's something that Trey Turner has a problem doing, uh, at least based on what he did in Carolina. So th- that should improve. I'd like to see Herbert. I don't know how many opportunities he'll get. I'd like to see him have a bit more of a rhythm with KJ Hill. And it feels like they're just kind of out of sync, which is strange yeah. because I would imagine that they had a lot of reps together in training camp. It's not like Hill was with the ones, I wouldn't think. Um, so I'm surprised that they're kind of out of sync. Hill's dropping passes too. So it's not like it's all Herbert's fault or whatever. You know, but some passes, like on the Monday Night Football game, were behind Hill. You know, Hill Hill has reliable hands. So I'd like to see them be able to, you know, get into a rhythm moving forward, you know, that rookie to rookie connection. But again, I don't know how much you know they're going to be able to do that. So uh, those two things in particular, and then I have some thoughts on defense. If we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, the offensive line play, man. I mean, it has to get better, and to put it in layman's terms, but you know the lack of uh, of cohesion is certainly you know rearing its ugly head right now. And and when you play teams like the Buccaneers and the Saints who blitz a lot, like communication. And, and obviously awareness are like the two main things that you have to be able to do as an offensive line unit to protect your quarterback. And they did a pretty good job against Tampa Bay. I mean, Herbert was still under pressure more frequently than I would have hoped. But, you know, considering what they just did to Green Bay, who hadn't given up a sack until today, you know, I think they played pretty well. And then against New Orleans, it just it was a disaster right from the start in terms of picking up blitzes and, you know, winning your one on one. So the communication definitely has to get better. And this team just needs to get healthy. You know, Trey Turner and Brian Balaga has have played one drive together all season in five games. So, you know, at this point, I would settle for one of them finishing the season healthy. I would love for both of them. I just don't know how likely that is. Um, Alex, any other thoughts on offense besides what we talked about? You know, just giving Herbert more responsibility. Um, I think it's the getting healthier thing, as you mentioned, right? We have Austin Eckler who needs to get healthy. Um, Keenan Allen had back spasms last week, so uh, hopefully he's good to go. The offensive line, as we mentioned, the, the biggest one on offense is Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. Um, without those two and without Austin Eckler, it's just a, mostly a zero run game, like in general. And. <laughs> Um, that's right. kind of why I argued for giving more responsibility to Herbert because, you know, you just don't, uh, you, you know, you just don't have the weapons that you would really want 
in that case, without you know, without, without a run game, the offense is just kind of uh, you know going <laughs> seemingly like you know just uh, it, it's just tough without a run game in general, and uh, you know so they need Trey Turner and Ryan Balaga to turn that around. Uh, until then. Um, we'll see when they come back, but until then, I would argue for giving more responsibility to Herbert. Uh, another thing that I mentioned was kind of using some of their secret weapons more. Um, you know, we talked about how, like, Donald Parham has played a snap, or, um, you know, some of their kind of lesser-known guys, like K.J. Hill, um, to an extent also Tyron Johnson, right? Guys that have had, like, moments, but they're still not known uh, really by like, you know, opposing defensive coordinators and people that are making game plans, right? No, no one's really planning for Donald Parham or Tyron Johnson. So I would just say, you know, try to use what you have a little bit more and use the 6-8 tight end in the red zone or use uh, someone yes. like Tyron Johnson who can, you know, is really fast that can get behind uh, a secondary, you know, pretty easily as we've seen in these games. Um <laughs> you know, it's 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 still shocking that Guyton is uh, is Guyton still the leader in touchdowns. Uh, no, I think Mike Williams. Oh, is Mike now. Williams. Well, is I, now? Guess he, I guess he. Okay. I guess they would be tied. Yeah. yeah. And Keenan. I guess you know, Keenan has two. Mike has two. Guyton has yeah, two. So, um, but yeah, Guyton Guyton is still someone that I think teams aren't really planning for either. I mean, but he's got speed. Uh, we saw him obviously make that huge catch um, that really set a touchdown in the Monday Night Football game. Um, so I think it's just about getting the ball to those guys more often um, and, you know, getting the ball to K.J. Hill, who Justin Herbert hasn't been totally in sync with. So I think using some of your lesser known options is is definitely one thing I'd like to see in these last 11 games. Yeah, and I think, you know, getting them involved in the quick passing game makes a lot of sense too, especially a guy like Tyron Johnson who, you know, to me he's a little more elusive than Jalen Guyton. But uh, Justin mentioned his relationship with Guyton, you know, two or three times in his press conference on Wednesday. And they clearly, uh, you know, he clearly trusts him. And, and, you know, it's it hasn't really panned out in terms of like a lot of targets and stuff like that. But, you know, in some key moments, he's he's looked towards Guyton. Um you know, one of the things that Tyler and I and and Jason before Alex got here talked a lot about was obviously uh, the fullback battle, and uh, uh, we have a problem in that regard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> find someone who wants to be an NFL player. Gosh. Yes, we have officially seen enough out of Game Neighbors that you know I I would much rather at this point see them just keep the four tight ends active, put uh, Virgil Green at fullback. You know, give some more reps to Donald Parham as a blocker. And then keep a guy like Joe Reed active or, you know, maybe you activate, uh, what's his name? Uh, Darius Bradwell instead. And I, I, I've seen enough out of game neighbors. I don't, I don't want to see any more game neighbors. <laughs> I don't want to see any more either. How this is so obvious. <laughs> I'm so irritated. Uh, I hate that. I, why do I have to, why do I have to be right about this one? You know, like, <laughs> uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather almost be wrong about Tyrod Taylor, which technically I never had a chance to be. You never were, yeah. Wrong or right about, but geez, it's so obvious that Neighbors is the wrong guy. He doesn't look like he even wants to play football out there. You know, I found more effort from high school guys who are trying to just you know make the varsity team for the first time. You know, this uh, penalties can't block. Doesn't even look like he wants to block. Doesn't want to be there. Or you have another guy, you know, that was on your team taking first team reps, apparently, according to Daniel Popper, who would gladly pull a truck for this team. <laughs> but you have a, you have your versatile, you know, fifth tight end on your team playing fullback. You know, it's basically just a fifth tight end who's got one target and yeah. one carry. What? Oh, and your run game's not working. What? I just, I'm, whatever. I, <laughs> whatever. He made the team. Whoever, you know, Alex called it. Neighbors made the team. I hope you're happy. I'm not really happy. I just don't care about fullbacks. Oh, they're so fun. <laughs> the blasphemy. Oh. <laughs> just kidding, man. You know, fullbacks, I, I think it's the uh you know the golden age of Lorenzo Neal and me that just and Mike Allstott too. I don't know if anyone else played NFL Street back in the day, but Mike Allstott was like the best player in that game, which is like 
him and Lorenzo Neal are why I love fullbacks so much. And, you know, obviously I, I got to interview Derek Watt last year, which was a lot of fun, but, um, let's shift to some defensive things, man. And, and I'll start this one off for me. The Chargers pass rush has to show up in, you know, more consistently. And, you know, we saw how great they were in the first two weeks, but they weren't overly successful in the second half of those two weeks. Um, a lot of that is personnel, obviously not having Melvin Ingram hurts and, and same with Justin Jones because Jerry Tillery, you know, he's not there in terms of being a full-time starter. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that they have to bring more blitzes. I would love to see, you know, Kenneth Murray get involved in the action because we've seen Kaiser White have a couple near sacks. You know, Denzel Perryman had a couple near sacks. And, you know, Kenneth Murray was getting three sacks a year at Oklahoma. So I'd love to see that happen. Um, but I, I just want to see some more production from guys not named Joey Bosa and Uchenna and Wosa. I think someone else in that group has to step up. You know, whether that's Limbaugh Joseph getting a couple stacks or whatever, but I think this Chargers pass rush just needs to, you know, be more consistent throughout the game and show up in bigger moments. And, and, and I think that would lead to some, uh, secure or leads as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, as you said, uh, getting more into the defensive line, which they haven't out of the last three games, uh, other than <laughs> Bosa and, and Wosu, as you mentioned. Uh, so, I don't know. I think that you have to get more out of them. I obviously think you need to, as we said, get healthier. You need uh, Justin Jones and Melvin Ingram uh, if this defensive line is is really going to have a chance to rebound. So that's important. I also think when it comes to the defense, I think specifically what's important is switching up kind of the looks because we've seen them play – a lot of zone heavy uh, in the last two weeks with with Tampa Bay, with New Orleans. Uh, and in the second half, we saw Breeze kind of start to slice that up. We obviously saw Tom Brady uh, have a bad first half and then, you know, really rebound against this team. Uh, so, you know, I'd just like to see a little bit more versatility. Now, I don't think that you can Absolutely. go all out against uh, all out blitz with <laughs> Jesse Lemagne, uh and uh, Isaac Rochelle. So they should <laughs> right. wait until Bosa and Ingram are back to 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 try to I think blitz more. Um, you know, which is a common you know fan criticism a lot of people give the Chargers uh, or have given them this season. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's about just switching up looks and you know. <laughs> With without Chris Harris, uh, I think you want uh, as little responsibility on Michael Davis as possible. Uh, and so if you, they can do that, that would be really nice because he's looked really bad these last couple games. Um, so I, I would just say, obviously, more pressure from the defensive line, and I think switching up zone coverage and playing more man um, because this kind of is a man coverage defense. I mean, they don't have anyone especially without Derwin James who's you know super athletic uh, and is going to change the game in that way for you uh you know it's Casey Hayward who is kind of a man coverage corner right and obviously you know he's not as young as he used to be um Michael Davis has speed but you know he's mainly used for those burner receivers and uh you know Desmond King isn't particularly athletic i mean he's a good tackler um but i wouldn't say you know i i don't know if i'd really play zone with him so i I think it's just about mixing it up and also getting guys back that's really all i think the chargers could do at this point you could fire gus bradley but i'm not sure what that's going to do in the middle of the season when in reality if you just have an interim dc you're going to be running the same plays anyway so I don't really support that. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. You know, getting players back obviously makes everything a lot you know easier when Ingram comes back. So much better when Justin Jones comes back. So much better. Chris Harris, everything will be so much easier. You know, give Bradley some options finally. Um, and obviously the, the, the pass rush will come. I would love to see them, like you guys said, give Kenneth Murray more pass rush snaps. You watch him in college and clearly, you know, he was able to do it. Um, he's very athletic. Who would have thought at this point in the season that Murray would be the guy who's apparently better in coverage than Patrick Queen? Um, Murray's as far as well, before this, before the game against the Eagles, at least, you know, Murray's given up you know about a hundred fewer yards. And he gives up a reception every you know twelve snaps. Queen's giving up a reception every five and a half snaps, apparently. 
you know, even though Murray's wow. Murray's on a Murray's had seventy more coverage snaps. I never really thought that it would have been Kenneth Murray's role, you know. But instead, you watch Patrick Queen making some you know incredible impact, you know, because he's able to do a little bit more and maybe give him a little more responsibility. He's got twenty four pass rush snaps. Kenneth Murray only has nine, you know, and that's not something I really would have expected going into this season from Murray. Um, but then again. You know, I, I would imagine that number would have gone up if Derwin James were available. Maybe you blitz Derwin James instead, um, but you could also do a lot more when you have James, when you have you know Chris Harris when he's healthy. You know, some of these defensive linemen. It looks like they just want Murray to go out there and you know be kind of like the cleanup crew. You know, make sure no one breaks off a long run kind of guy. Um, so if I also think players that, come back, uh, oh, I was just gonna say I also think that blitz number for Kenneth Murray would be higher if they had Drew Tranquil. Hmm. Yeah. No, plenty of players on this defense would make things a lot easier for, you know, free up Murray to be able to do that. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, so hopefully with some players coming back, they can. Um, although I guess if Murray, well, it depends. They had players that were, they were health, you know, they were a little bit more healthy and they weren't blitzing him very much. That said, that was very early in the season and maybe they feel moving forward and particularly after a bye that when they get those healthy players back, now Murray's a little bit more adjusted to the league. Maybe they kind of want to try something different. I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. But that's that's the big one for me on top of what you guys have already said. Yeah, I think that those are good, good calls for sure. I think one specific adjustment this defense has to make in the future weeks is installing a quarterback spy. Um, this team, you know, they, they Gardner Minshew makes some plays with his legs. He's not like overly mobile, but... You know, he can make some plays with his legs. They play Cam Newton, play Josh Allen, they play Patrick Mahomes again. This team has some mobile quarterbacks up on this, um, on the upcoming schedule. And, uh, Patrick Mahomes crushed them on third downs with his legs. And, uh, I think Kenneth Murray is the perfect person to be a quarterback spy in those games. And, uh, you know, as much as I like what I have seen in terms of improving in pass coverage, you know, he's made some incredible plays, particularly against, you know, Tyreek Hill on that one pass, pass breakup and then, uh, tackling Emmanuel Sanders in space, which is no small feat, but you know, I, I, they have to prepare for these upcoming mobile quarterbacks and using Kenneth Murray as a quarterback spy, which is something that he did almost exclusively at Oklahoma. That was like his main role on passing downs was quarterback spy. Um, they have to prepare for those quarterbacks coming up and it starts, you know, this week against, uh, Gardner Minshew. Much like uh, Tyler's disdain uh, for being right when it comes to Bobby Holly and Gabe Neighbors. I'm so mad uh, that I was right when it came to the quarterback spy versus the Chiefs because uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I predicted that for like a whole week uh, and then it ended up unfortunately coming true and Mahomes led the team in rushing. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think when you're playing Cam Newton, when you're playing Josh Allen um, and quarterbacks like that, uh, even someone who isn't mobile but can move, right? Like Derek Carr can move a little bit. Um Drew Locke can kind of, uh, obviously Gardner Minshew uh, has some athletic ability. So uh, I think, yeah, having a quarterback spy, as you said, is just super, super important, um, especially when you're playing guys that, like Mahomes, uh, are super good at both, you know, uh, passing and running, but their running is underestimated, so it creates uh, more opportunities for them. So Definitely think Kenneth Murray or just someone in general <laughs> sitting back as a key yeah, spy someone. Uh, and, and watching, you know, what the quarterback does because, you know, it wasn't just Patrick Mahomes. I, I want to say, you know, Teddy Bridgewater got out of some key moments and, you know, scrambled yeah. for a couple of yards as well. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, unfortunately for the Chargers, they didn't need a QB spy with Brady and Breeze because, uh, you know, those right. guys <laughs> can't even run to the retirement home. But, uh it's uh yeah i i definitely think they need a quarterback spy and i'm very mad that i was right about that hey man it was it was a smart it was a smart call and uh you know unfortunately gus bradley was not smart enough to to figure that out um well the guys this has been great i think this is a lot of good discussion for people for listening to this show right now um we obviously got a bunch of new followers on twitter today hopefully some of you are listening to this show um if you are new to the to the GAC experience, please leave us a rating review. We do really appreciate all that positive feedback. Um, make sure and stay tuned for our Patreon breakdowns as well. We're going to get into some Kaiser White and uh, maybe break down some Justin Herbert film as well. 
And then uh, after the game, Tyler and I will break down the offensive film, offensive line film again next week for you guys on, on our YouTube channel. So lots of good content coming your way. Uh, Tyler and Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Gak? I know Gak. what it is. It's, I know what GAC is. Just... Gak. <laughs> Gak. It's like yak. Gak. Okay. I don't know. Sounds good. Um, the only thing that I wanted to say in terms of improvements to make after the buy that we didn't really mention uh, we talked a lot about Michael Badgley last episode and, and what's going on with him. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go oh, to man. sleep. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at uh, the team bringing in some competition. I don't know whether it's uh, Adam Vinatieri or, I don't know, some guy that's out there. Um, Stephen Hauschka doesn't have a job. Uh, some guy that's out there to give Michael Badgley some competition, even if you're not cutting Badgley or even if they don't win the job over Badgley. Uh, I do think it's become pretty clear that uh, he needs someone to push him. Yeah, and I'll have one more guy come in, even if he doesn't win the job, if Badgley blows it and they lose the Jaguars because he, Jaguars are next? Yeah. Yeah. They lose the Jaguars because, ba- well, first of all, they shouldn't need Badgley to beat the Jaguars. But if they lose the Jaguars because Badgley <laughs> can't hit a kick, Hopefully they already had a guy on tap to, you know, get ready just in case that he did. They do need to fire Badgley. Um, yeah, Hoshka's a good call. Um, he wasn't very good this season, apparently, but he does have ties to Anthony Lynn. And he was great in Buffalo. Part of the reason Tyrod Taylor had so many good two-minute drills because Hoshka really delivered for them. So there. There you go. Some last-minute kicker analysis from the Guilty as Charged podcast for you guys. Mm. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure, like I mentioned, follow us on social media at GC Podcast 17 at Tyler J. Shoon, at Alex Lansdorf, and at Stephen I. Haglin. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all your support. Stay tuned for the Justin Herbert giveaway. That'll come tomorrow at halftime of the Monday night game. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Gag. See ya. <laughs> Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.